Well, good afternoon. It being the afternoon, it's, uh, it's precisely... Well, I was going to say it's uh, 3.38. That would have been a lie. It's 3.39. Just ticked over. Just ticked over. That's, um, that's the passage of time for you, to be fair to time. Um, hello, welcome. Episode 16... Uh, let's, let's just, let's kick off with where, where I am. I'm sitting on a, a white metal chair, part of a patio set actually, um, beneath the rather pleasant shade of, of, uh, a cherry tree, um, the door of a wooden bar, my bar actually is, is creaking gently in the breeze it should it should be shut i'm just poking my head inside the bar to to see that no domestic animal has been trapped is going to be trapped inside there if i shut the door i notice that in the bar is a packet of pork scratchings half eaten i think left there by me that's the door shutting uh, that's where i'm at i'm in my own garden um where am I at mentally? I'm at a place of, of gratitude to you, subscribers and listeners, for, for being part of this. Particularly subscribers who, uh, who've been busy on the thread this week. I'll get around to that quite soon, actually. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for caring. If you do care, I presume you care a small amount, um, but I don't want to. I don't want to take it for granted. Let's just put it that way. What do I want to talk about this week? Well, on Wednesday, I posted a thread. It was for subscribers only. Um, thank you, subscribers. And I asked a question. The reason I asked this question: if you, if you were listening to this very podcast thing. Uh, last week, I was I recorded it while preparing uh, for a feast, literal feast, uh, and the feast was very delicious. In the end, uh, had a good time. Eleven courses, I think, but you know, once we got toward double figures, there was quite a lot of food and quite a lot of wine had had entered my body, and I was I was less focused on counting the number, specific number of courses than I would have I would have liked to have been in retrospect I'm going to say there were 11 8 I think but maybe fewer let's say it's 6 to 8 is the spread of of court of like main meal courses and then a three course dessert in a different room that's that's how a feast works I'd never been to one before uh, but I would go again. Uh, also had a burger afterwards at about one o'clock, standing in the market square. If you've never eaten a burger, standing in a, a provincial market square, wearing white tie, well, I can tell you, it's... Uh, it's... It's sublime and ridiculous. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, all of this, all of this uh, talk of food and dinners is really... Uh, to explain why the question on the subscriber thread this week was food related 
And it was, what's the most famous meal, in your opinion, in history? I was thinking about this uh, maybe a couple of years ago. I wanted to do a TV show about this subject, like the dopest meals in history, and then you could sort of try and recreate them and tell the stories about them and see how much we actually know about that food and what it tells us about politics and society and and the changing world at that time. I thought it was a good idea. I failed to convince a broadcaster, but I didn't try very hard. So all you broadcasters listening to this podcast hoping to steal my ideas, that's one. But if you do steal it, I'll know. Somehow. Uh, I don't know how. You could, you'll probably just claim it was a coincidence and you'd already had this idea. Anyway, that was my idea. Um, and when I, was, when I was tossing this idea around a while ago, the, the sort of famous meals that I was thinking about were like the Last Supper, um, the first Thanksgiving, and one I was really keen on, which was, a, which was a sort of Dickensian Christmas, which is really, I'm thinking about a Christmas carol here, which I realise is fictional, but... That that would have been the leaping off point for uh, for what a Victorian Christmas meal looked like, and I was I, I found that interesting. Anyway, it's not about me. Well, it's a bit about me, but it's also a bit about you. What do you think? Let's let's go to the comments. Um, Carly Gibson said. Any of the feasts served at the Field of Cloth of Gold in 1520, the lavish meeting of Henry VIII and Francois the Prem- Francois the Premier. Oh my God, what a pleb I am. Francois Premier of France. Organised by Cardinal Wolsey. So I'm sure, says Carly, the food was magnificent. There was not one, but two fountains from which red wine freely flowed. There's a great, very famous painting of the Field of Cloth of Gold at Hampton Court Palace. I recommend it if you, if you are ever passing that, that bit of the UK... Um, like a what a pageant! I've written I've written about the field of cloth of gold a few times in, in newspapers. Always enjoy revisiting that bonanza of international statesmanship and statesmanship and diplomacy. Once I was making a TV show, and it's kind, it was kind of like a a drama doc. But the drama had already been filmed by like a different, by a, different, a bunch of different people. I was stepping in. It was a, it was a European project. I was stepping in to do the British links, like when the presenter gimp person pops up to explain what the hell is going on. You know, like most of my programs. Um, I was doing the the, the British presenter gimp. Uh, can I say gimp? I'm talking about myself. I think I can. Um, I was doing the the British presenter gimp person act thing. So that I just, you know, turned up for a couple of days and we rattled off a load of links to script and that was that. However, and there there was a bit about the field of cloth of gold. Well, we did the history bit. (laughs) Uh, But the drama had already been shot, and I didn't see the drama till after we did the links. I don't think. I'm pretty sure I didn't. 
Anyway, I did see the drama eventually, and what I enjoyed very much about the drama <laughs> was that when they filmed the bit about the Field of Cloth of Gold, well, everyone knows what the most famous bit of the Field of Cloth of Gold was. Actually, it wasn't the feasting, it was the wrestling. Uh, Henry VIII and Francis I, Francois Premier, had a wrestling match. Uh, both strapping young Renaissance princes, both proud of their physical prowess, uh, and keen to, to, to show it off in in chivalric combat or chivalric combat depending where you want to place the stress on the words I've just said two different ways anyway <laughs> um, yeah so the lads were both in their well they must have been in their when this field across the gold late 20s and <laughs> and they had the wrestling match and famously I mean it's a bit of a spoiler alert but I'm sure you know this Francois Premier won he's quite a talented wrestler and he, he th- threw Henry I believe anyway <laughs> the drama that had been shot <laughs> sorry I find this very funny the drama that had been shot had uh, it had been shot by a French company and so Francois Premier looked magnificent of course <laughs> strapping young renaissance friends but for some reason <laughs> whoever had directed the drama when they'd gone to cast henry the eighth i mean they'd done what anyone who didn't know that much about henry the eighth would do <laughs> which is cast henry the eighth as a fat old dude <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah they had <laughs> they had like 40 something henry the eighth all like fat and out of shape <laughs> And uh, with his wig sliding about all over his head. <laughs> his head. And, yeah, <laughs> he got thrown by Francois Premier, so that bit was historically accurate. <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't quite look uh, like I think it must have looked in 1520. Anyway, uh, thank you, uh, Carly, for jogging my memory with that. Uh, with that memory, uh, yes, good and very good. Uh, let's go feasting at the Field of Cloth of Gold. Not sure it's the most famous feast of, of all time, but still, who cares? Marie Danielson, we had a Swedish king that ate himself to death. Adolf Frederick of Sweden loved our Swedish dessert, the Semler, a cardamom-spiced wheat bun which has its top cut off and is then filled with a mix of milk and almond paste topped with whipped cream. The cut-off top serves as a lid and is dusted with powdered sugar. It's said that he, that's King Alfred, Adolf Frederick of Sweden, died from ingesting a large meal consisting of lobster, caviar, sauerkraut, kippers and champagne, and his favourite dessert, Hetveg, Semler pastries, I think I didn't pronounce that right, sorry, Semler pastries in warm milk. He was a weak king, but his son, Gustavus III, was quick to take back absolute power by the help of a military coup d'etat after the death of his father. And then, uh, well, there's, there's more stuff from Marie. I, I, why don't you go on the, the thread, uh, if you're a subscriber, and read the rest of it, because that's funny. That's genuinely funny. Uh, yeah, I guess, well, the old chow yourself to death meme, that's a good one, isn't it? A surfeit of lampreys, did for Henry I, supposedly. Uh, a surfeit of... <laughs> unripe peaches am i right in thinking that that's what some people said king john died of um who else attila the hun he's talking to a friend of mine who's a a a medical professional about attila the hun gorged i think is the uh, is the phrase gorged himself at a feast and 
the and and got lashed. Obviously, uh, didn't go for a burger <laughs> in the market square. Uh, alas for Attila, uh, but got a nosebleed and choked to death on the nosebleed. My my dear medic friend says that's legit. That could happen. Not really like a nosebleed, but a thing that would look like a nosebleed. Uh, we might do. We might record a thing just about that. I, but that's another story. Um, hum. Thank you for that. Yeah, well, Liz H is, is bang in there. Winter 11.35, dining with Henry I to see how many lampreys, lampreys, sorry, were in a surfeit. Yep, fair enough. Fair enough. Tom Schwartz, always with the hypest comments. Big up Tom Schwartz each and, and indeed every week. Dinner table bargain, 1790. Apologies for the aeroplane that's going over while I'm speaking. Thomas Jefferson, James Madison and Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton gave the Virginians, says Tom Schwartz, the US Capitol in exchange for the US Constitution, the room where it happened in the extraordinary play Hamilton. Have you seen Hamilton? I've seen Hamilton once uh, in the theatre. That was good. Um, Once was enough for me, to be honest. I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't have gone to see it 800 times and then sat and watched it 800 more times on Disney Plus um, my children have watched it 800 times on Disney Plus and go around singing the songs and that's uh, that's too much Hamilton for me if anything I've had a surfeit <laughs> of Hamilton and if I hear that song the rumour it happened one more motherfucking time Tom Schwartz <laughs> not your fault uh, I'll take it up with Lin-Manuel I think I'm gonna go apeshit but I see I've wandered from my point. The Burgundians, says Amy Kaufman. Their feasts were incredible, as described in vivid detail in Bart Van Lau's amazing recent book. Damn straight. Big up, Bart. Uh, Roseanne, what about good old King Glutton VIII? Satire. And his thousands of roasted beasts, or maybe rat pie. I think I know... Don't I, don't you? I thought I knew what you were talking about, and now I think I don't. I'm going to move on. Uh, but thank you. I'd love to see the banquet put on for Marco Polo when he visited China, says Joy. Well, the thing about Marco Polo was he was chilling in China for bare time, wasn't he? I mean, he was there for, like, 20 years. So, man was was chowing everything. If you look at uh, William of Rubruck or Giovanni uh, Dapien del Carpine... These are Franciscan friars in the 13th century who travelled overland to the court of the Khan with sort of fatuous proposals of, of amity and whatnot from various naive popes. Um, they complained bitterly about how rancid Mongol food was to their simple Western palates. They thought it was mega yuck. And, uh, but Marco Polo, as I recall, doesn't complain in the travels. Maybe he does, but I can't remember the bit if he, d- if he does. Uh, the travels of Marco Polo are super, super excellent. Um, and for some reason, Marco Polo has just got this, this reputation as like a liar fantasist person, which I think is, is fairly undeserved, even if like some of his 
travel, his, his recollections that he dictated when he was in prison seem fanciful. Maybe they're fanciful or exaggerated or or like compressed and slightly distorted. But but you, do you know, like they're still super amazing and not like ridiculous and unbelievable in the main. Read Marco Polo. It's much better than you probably think it is. You probably think it's whack, but actually it's fantastic. Uh, the Black Dinner, says Ben Neville. Not a bad shout from Ben Neville, yep. Uh, made famous by George R. R. Martin with the Red Wedding, of course. Um, what else? Uh, I reckon George Neville had it right, says Brody Marshall. He had 400 peacocks and 2,000 portions of hot custard at his enthronement ceremony as Archbishop of York in 1465. Took three days to get through the menu. That's the kind of shindig that I dig. Yeah, Brody. I agree. I was thinking, actually, today, apropos of something not very interesting to you, I guess, I was strimming my lawn with a strimmer, something I've recently discovered Australians call a whippersnipper. <laughs> a whippersnipper. <laughs> I was using that device to strim a nice, neat edge on my lawn. And as I was doing it, I was thinking about the medieval church. What the fuck else would I be thinking about? <laughs> uh, and my p- hypothetical place in it. And I, I, I honestly can't remember why I was thinking this. But I thought to myself, I'd be a terrible monk. That was a bit of a pause. Sort of my inner dialogue, like the other side went, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd suck as a monk. Uh, but then I thought, I'd be a fantastic bishop. Like one of those super corrupt, uber wealthy medieval bishops. If I was in the medieval church, you ain't, I, I'm, you're not, I'm not a monk, I'm not a friar, I'm barely a canon. I'm hoping I'm not a canon. I am a, <laughs> the, like the Bishop of Winchester or something. You know... Maybe, maybe I'm getting a cardinal's hat. Maybe I'm one of those cardinals that's the, the bastard son of a pope. That's what I'd be if I had a choice, if I had to have a career in the medieval church. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd be happy with any random feast, says Julia Dietz. We love Julia Dietz. To see how the spice was used, the diversity of dishes, and to have some funky stuff, like a whole porpoise or an autolan. They sell porpoise in, uh, in Marks and Spencer in, in, in Britain. I, uh, I'll be roasting one uh, for Sunday lunch, actually. Come round. So can... <laughs> What's a fucking porpoise doing on the dinner table? It's got no place on the dinner table. Be gone, porpoise. Poor poise. <laughs> Do you know the line, says Jessica Causey. We love Jessica Causey as well. Do you know the line, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We do know that line. Hannibal Lecter. Uh, many quotable lines. Not all of them quotable in polite company in The Silence of the Lambs. A tremendous movie. One of the best. Very tight. Only about 90 minutes long. And it just starts. That's what I like about Silence of the Lambs. There's no, like, 
preamble, you just meet Clarice Starling running through the woods, and then she's in the FBI director's office or whatever it is, and he's going, do you like nutters? And she's going, not that much. <laughs> he's going, tough break. <laughs> Have you ever heard the phrase Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> and, and then she's off. And Miggs is shouting filthy stuff, and, oh, it's just... It's a, it's a tremendous movie. I might watch that movie tonight. Oh, no, I won't watch that movie tonight, because I'm going to have dinner with someone. Um, which is going to be... If it, there are very few things I'd like to do more than watch The Silence of the Lambs tonight. But actually, the dinner I've got lined up is a good one. Uh, anyway, right. Hold on. It's 3.59, and I've promised to do a Facebook Live book giveaway this is useless information to you because by the time you've listened to this i'll have done it i should have told you earlier <laughs> sorry i'm not out of time to post this before i do the facebook live oh my god i'd never pretended to be any good at this stuff <laughs> i've just said i'm gonna do it and do my best and like radiohead said you can try the best you can you can try the best you can the best you can is good enough.